This week on The Short Game, we prepare to taste justice. Shovel justice. Welcome to The Short Game, a show about fitting games into your life. I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined, as always, of course, this week by two fine gentlemen. They are in order of appearance. No one's going to see us, so we're not in order of appearance, but I will go first. I am Shane Kelly. (laughs) And my name's Nate Heininger. Thank you for having me. How are you guys doing this week? Uh, Pretty great. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a good week for me, too. I've done a lot of, you know chilling out and playing video games cool i've heard you have i believe completed two retro platformers this week which uh is more than i've seen you do in the entire history of this podcast oh come on i play some games i complete things you occasionally finish a game that's true i'm accelerating i've learned a lot from our recent guest uh dr david heineman heineman thank you jeez i was about to say heininger uh that's me (laughs) that's you Heininger and, on Heinemann. You guys missed an opportunity there. Oh, we really yeah. did. And yeah, uh, yeah um, I've actually been really getting through some stuff. Uh, beat Shovel Knight this week, and I loved it, and I can't wait to talk to you guys about it. And um, I'm also hoping in a future show to discuss with you guys another game that I beat this week, Freedom Planet, which actually has a lot of common elements with uh, Shovel Knight. So we may talk briefly about it today, but I liked it so much, I really want to spend some serious time talking about that one, maybe in a later episode. Anyway, what have you guys been up to? Well, I have been uh, finally successfully playing some Destiny. Right. Oh, my gosh. I'm really looking forward to hearing about this. I hear that yeah. the uh, wizard is from the moon. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it's got some pretty silly... It's one of the, the funnier parts about it because it does kind of have this blend of, you know, futuristic tech you know, warfare where you're running around with machine guns and jetpacks and, and grenades and all the stuff you'd expect in like a, a modern first person shooter. But then you're also fighting like wizards and stuff. And it's not exactly uh, like, you know, frostbolt wizards or things like that. I mean, it's still kind of like in the halo esque world, but they're still called wizard and it's like a big, floating creature with like it looks kind of like it's wearing like a big i don't know if gown is the right word but big like flowing thing and it fires what looks more like plasma shots if you're familiar so when i when i had heard about like it was wizards and knights and stuff like that i was expecting it a little bit to be more on the nose like fantasy it, it like there are creatures that are running at you that are in armor and holding uh you know swords but they are like nasty monsters called like vandals and they run real weird. It's not like high fantasy knights and wizards and stuff. It's like a, it's kind of a weird alien. It just seems like a missed opportunity to me. I I am. I love knights and wizards. (laughs) Me too. I was hoping to uh, fire some shoulder mounted nukes at some unicorns. Yeah. (laughs) 
but I, this is starting it off on what sounds to be like a negative note, but in reality, I've had a blast playing this game. Uh, I have not really been much into the Halo game since the first one, but mostly because I didn't have any console around. I didn't have a 360 for a long time or a, a, even a normal Xbox. So I kind of missed out on a lot of those games. And I keep comparing it to Halo because it is like it is Bungie's newest flagship. You know, they haven't even made the last two games. And it definitely looks like a Halo game, like it, it, the texture artists, it's got to be the same people. It's like kind of the same color scheme, and a lot of the monsters kind of run in the same way. But its gameplay is is more like Borderlands. You know, when you're yeah. aiming, all of the uh, creatures have a health bar. Your shots, uh, as you hit them, the damage like ticks off. You know, like it does twenty damage, and the number twenty shoots out of them and floats <laughs> away. Uh, a lot like Borderlands, which it makes it really rewarding because you know you see exactly how much damage you've done. And like a headshot, you know, I I rolled a hunter, and you know, which is kind of the sniper type character and a headshot with the sniper rifle. It's really rewarding because you see exactly what type of damage you have, and. It does have that RPG element where you are leveling up and you have gear and there's loot and your gear can level up and you can add like little stat bonuses to your gear and stat bonuses to your person and kind of develop their talent tree to a degree. Now, the beta, they didn't get too far into that stuff, Hmm. but it was, uh, it, it felt like. I didn't really care too much for Halo, but this they added all the things that I like about these types of games, adding the RPG element and the uh, online stuff is fun. The missions, most of the missions were like one to three players. If you enter it by yourself, there'll probably be two other players playing it somewhere in the you know in the world. But there's also missions that require you to be with other people, and it's a really good blend of kind of the you know, single player, multiplayer, modern online type of game. So there's what they call strikes where it's like a three man strike. And you pretty much have to work as a team if you want to complete this mission, fighting bosses and uh, kind of maneuvering through the world. And it's gorgeous too. Um, I've had a lot of fun. That sounds really cool. And a lot of that's new information to me because I really haven't been following the news about the Destiny beta or anything about the game. Um, I think maybe just because I was never a Halo fan because I never owned an Xbox and just never had an opportunity to play those games, really. Um, but now that you're likening it to Borderlands and talking about the RPG elements of it, that appeals to me more. So I'm going to yeah, keep an eye on it. Borderlands is the, the FPS that I have enjoyed the most in the last year or two. And uh, I, I was tempted by the uh, prequel, the pre-sequel. Uh, but I haven't gotten around to playing that yet. Are you guys thinking about playing it? Uh, is this a new Borderlands? Yeah, there's a new Borderlands called Borderlands the Pre-Sequel. I, I, this is the first I'm hearing of it. Um, I haven't played a ton of Borderlands myself, to be honest, but Molly plays a ton of Borderlands, so I'm pretty familiar with it and kind of have watched her play and have played a little bit myself. Shane and I played a ton of Borderlands 2, um, and it was a, a great, you know brothers experience yeah. because it's uh, it's really well suited to co-op play and it makes it really easy to jump into each other's games so uh, we had a ton of fun playing that yeah as far as i can tell it's that's really how destiny has it set up uh the way the missions work there is the the last uh 
human city in the in the universe is called the tower and that is a full like mmo it's everybody in there is you know you have your helmets off it's third person you can see every everybody and you can buy and sell and trade and all that there in the tower and then you go off on your missions that sounds really interesting yeah it's a really cool blend of like modern modern games it has everything you don't have to play with other people, but it's. I, I found it to be a lot more fun when you were with other people. That's the ideal. That, that doesn't only sounds really good. Uh, I don't know if that'll be a short game. That sounds like the kind of game I'll be able to pour an eon into. And but uh, I really want to play it now. Yeah, I will say I. You know, I think they're definitely building it with the intention of you playing it a lot. Any RPG where you can level up your character and re-roll characters, I think they definitely want you to play a ton. I will say the one part that appeals to me, or at least as far as this podcast goes, is the fact that it is mission based and you can like you start in a kind of a safe area, you choose the mission you want to go on, you complete that mission, and then you're back in a safe area. Uh, all the missions I did took no longer than an hour, with most of them being about a half hour to forty-five minutes. That's so great. it did it did allow me to have the kind of we've been you know fitting games into your life. I get home, log on. I did one mission. Like all right, you know I got other stuff to do, and I played it over the week and a half and and beat I beat what they allowed of the beta. Yeah, how much content is there in the beta? Is it? Yeah, I mean they they have a uh, six of the missions are available and then uh, one version of the online PVP is available. Do we want to jump straight into talking about Shovel Knight next? Well, I have one thing that I'm excited about that I want to share. Oh, go and for that it. is the upcoming and the announcement recently that there's going to be a movie version of The Last of Us. Now, we don't really cover movies here, but that movie, I thought, that game, I thought was just my favorite short game and the fact that neither of you guys have played it is the only thing holding us back from from doing a whole episode on what I think is an absolute masterpiece. I'll be correcting that oversight soon. I'm uh, I'm going to be picking up a copy very shortly oh, yeah. and, and checking yeah. it out. Although I will say that uh, in, in defense of our podcast, I think that there are any number of wonderful places you can go to read about or hear great discussion of the last of us that is a game that has been covered uh extensively so it didn't stop us from covering portal that's true (laughs) that's very true yeah i'm gonna it you know it's coming out uh tomorrow for ps4 so i'll be picking it up soon as well looks like it's being produced by sam raimi so yeah that's kind of crazy zombies will be good and um and okay so that's really all i had to say about about that subject is that I am super pumped that they're turning this fabulous game into a movie. I've never actually been excited about a movie to a game to movie adaptation, but this one could be good. I pray that it's good. Mm, don't get your hopes up. I you obviously have not seen uh, Super Mario Brothers because that is a perfect perfect port of a, a game into a movie great realization of the world I just need to go back and rewatch that and and, and just be content <laughs> all right forget it let's let's get into uh i was going to talk about the new nvidia shield tablet just to see if i could get reagan's goat but oh, but no. no let's let's talk shovel knight guys let's talk shovel knight
So, Reagan, as the most passionate Shovel Knight uh, lover here in this in this uh, podcast today, more shovelry. The only shoveler to have shoveled all the shovels uh, of this game. Tell me, what is it that drew you to this game in the first place, and what is it that kept you with it so so devotedly? Well, I mean, I have been watching this game since I just barely missed it on Kickstarter, and uh, to uh, the game was initially announced uh, on Kickstarter, and it raised a pretty sizable amount of money. Uh, it's from a company called Yacht Club Games that is brand new, but it is made from a team that spun out from a team at Way Forward. And um, as you guys are probably already aware, I am ridiculously obsessed with Shantae, the series of, uh, of you know exploration action platformers from Way Forward. That started on the Game Boy Color and has had games on. Um, it had a, a DSi game. It's it's a it's a underdog series of platformers. This was the last game to come out for the Game Boy Color. A phenomenal game. Then they were going to have a game on the Game Boy Advance that got pushed because it was going to be delivered too late to be a real Game Boy Advance game, and then it got delayed and delayed, and it eventually came out as DSiWare downloadable title. You can now download that game on the 3DS as well. Um, it's also out on iOS, and they just recently put out a, a port of that to, uh, to PCs. You can download it on Steam now. Um, there is a, another game, a, a 3DS game, that is about to be delivered in the Shantae series that is called uh, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, but that's been delayed and delayed and delayed too. And then there is even a fourth game. So right now the, the third game has been delayed so much that uh, we're actually in, they're in production with both the third and fourth games at the same time. Uh, Shantae Half-Genie Hero... Uh, had a Kickstarter recently and is expected out on the Wii U, on PCs and Macs, and probably on some other next-gen consoles. But anyway, I love the Shantae so games. we can expect Shovel Knight 2 in uh, 2056. Yes, something like that. So this team from Way Forward, you know, veterans from Way Forward, um, that had also worked on some other games like Contra 4, A Boy and His Blob. Oh, really? A Boy and His Blob was one of the weirdest games that I played back in those days. It just didn't... Un- it didn't... It didn't make any sense to me, and and that at that time really would draw me into a game if if I if I thought it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. And a boy in his blob really did that for me. Yeah, and um, back in the old Nintendo, I don't think I ever played it. Mm. it. Well, actually, I think that the game that Way Forward worked on was the Boy and His Blob remake that came out a few years ago. Um, uh, okay, Boy and His Blob was a great Nintendo game, and Way Forward has done a few of those. They also did the um, uh, the Ducktales remastered. That came out a little while ago. And I think actually there's an interesting contrast between DuckTales Remastered and Shovel Knight, but we can talk about that later. Anyway, the game uh, blew through its funding goal. It had a $75,000 funding goal and it ended up getting $311,000. So huge success on Kickstarter. And um, then Uh, you'll see where those dollars went. You really do. So the game took a while to come out, um, but now here it is and it's available on the 3DS on the Wii U, and also on Windows with Mac and Linux versions uh, a coming down the pike. Um, coming down the pike? Yep. So isn't it, isn't it pipe? No, it's pike. Is it? Like the turnpike? That's how I always heard yeah, it. Oh, yeah, we're it's, twins, it's pike, so I'm we pretty grew sure. up together. Oh. That's what they always said in Texas, or at least what people, I think, said. Yeah, isn't it? No, I think maybe you can say it both ways. 
Yeah, if you're wrong. <laughs> let's let's try saying it both ways. Hey, it's coming down the pike. 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 Anyway, um, I think we should say at the very beginning, too, that this game is is like $15 for the 3DS. Right. It's that, cheap. You can download it on your 3DS or on the Wii U for 15 yeah. bucks, and the same goes for Steam. How, how did you uh, download it, Nate? I played it on 3DS. Oh, okay. I, I guess I'm the only one that played this on the PC. Mm-hmm. I also played on 3DS, and I think actually that it's a great platform for it. Um, it feels like a Nintendo game, and playing it on Nintendo hardware just felt right. And also, um, the graphics of the game, which we'll talk about more in depth later, really work on the small 3DS screen because it's low resolution. Um, you know, the 3DS screen is really great for pixel art because you know it's not great for showing those great high definition things things look blocky on it but blocky graphics look great on the 3ds's blocky screen so it just really really yeah, looked fantastic I, i'm playing it on a big old imac screen and i really appreciated the art i thought that you know it's it's just a fine example of classic retro styled pixel art um uh, all the animations were really cute the character models were just absolutely charming. Like some of my favorites, I I just can picture them right now in my head. Like the uh, the horse people uh, in the town, <laughs> the uh, the the Troupel King was yes. one of the strangest things I've ever seen in a video game. And the whole thing was so weird. It has the it has the weirdest sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So it, let's let's set up the game a little bit for people who might not have seen it much. Uh, this game is. Uh, stop me if you, you know, please, please feel free to interject, but it's a very classic uh, 2D retro platformer, and I would compare it mostly to something like Mega Man, in that it is a series of platforming stages that culminate in a boss fight, uh, from which you're meant to take uh, new powers each in each level or or each, um, not, not, not every boss like you do in, in Mega Man. This time it's uh, from a, a little merchant, mm-hmm. and there's a treasure mechanic. But it, I think it was very, very, that was the best comparison that I had for it. Yeah, it definitely draws uh, inspiration from Mega Man. It really wears its inspirations on its sleeve. Yeah, it draws inspiration from everything. Every platformer. But I'd say that there's a few real standout inspirations. Um, Mega Man, of course, but perhaps the biggest one would probably be uh, DuckTales uh, for the NES, which mm, is... Which I never played. It's phenomenal. Um, we mentioned that earlier in that WayForward did a remake of it recently that's... It's, it's pretty good. Um, but DuckTales for the NES is one of those games that's like so good that it's like it doesn't have any right to be as good as it is. It's got great pixel art, sure, but... It's just got platforming that is ridiculously fun to play. And the main mechanic in DuckTales is that you're playing as Scrooge McDuck and you've got this cane and the main attack is a downward thrust with the cane that is also a pogoing move, which is exactly what Shovel Knight does with his shovel. And uh, it's also very clear. It's the same move that Link has in Legend of Zelda Adventure of Link, Link, uh, Legend of Zelda 2. You know, I, I would not have made that connection because to me, kind of the downward strike is the the uh, natural attack of all platformers since Mario. Yeah, but this one you actually have to hold down because if you jump on them and you aren't holding down, like shoving your shovel down, it, it hurts you. Whereas just bop, it's not just bopping on their heads, you mm-hmm. know. 
But the downward sword slash, or in this case, shovel slash, is pretty unique to games like um, Legends of Zelda 2, DuckTales, and a few others. And it really defines the game. And more so than that, the pogo bounce that you can achieve with that really lets you just do some amazing fun stuff in the level. Yeah, which was key if you could get the bosses kind of cornered and you just pogo on them like four or five times. Boing, boing, boing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I also... One of my favorite parts, yeah. I noticed a um, a bunch of connections to one of my favorite games of the early era, and I believe this was just a Sega game, which I know we talk a lot about Nintendo, but and maybe this was on Nintendo. I just had it for Sega, which is the Golden Axe. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys did you guys play much Golden Axe? I think we had one version of Golden Axe. I think we had Golden Axe two. Okay. So one of the kind of quirkier random things in this game, at least to me, was after each castle, after each you know boss defeat, you will be put on kind of a serene little scene of Shovel Knight camping next to a fire, and you know sometimes. sometimes Sometimes he has a dream about Shield Knight, which we haven't talked about, and you have to defend her. But a lot of times, it's just him next to a fire. Then he wakes up, and you can dig up the fire for treasure. But that's it. Well, at the end of every level in Golden Axe, you did something almost identical. Your characters would have a little break next to a fire and then this little gnome would come out and steal your food but <laughs> oh i remember that gnome oh my god and then you had you had to fight the gnome to get your food back but still it's the only other game that i've seen your characters like resting after a big battle that's and- funny it made me think of what little i've played of dark souls which has you sitting down at a campfire um you know, after every major <laughs> encounter. But, Didn't Reagan, you tell me that this other game that you finished this week had a, a, a sequence in which all the characters sit around and watch TV together? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that there's a... a in uh, Freedom Planet? Freedom Planet had uh, had a lot of long cutscenes. That was one, among them. Um, one, other, one other inspiration that uh, I think it really... That, one other inspiration that Shovel Knight, I think, really wears on its sleeve is Castlevania in the art. Um, I've seen very few games on the NES that had such perfect art as the original Castlevania uh, with its amazing backgrounds and just really cool architectural stuff. And I think that a lot of the levels in this kind of draw on that heritage, but they are really taking the 8-bit look of an nes game with its limited color palette and its blocky sprites Mm -hmm. and kind of making a alternative universe version of that where the nes had absolutely unlimited resources and could do beautiful effects like parallax scrolling and great chiptune music that wouldn't have been possible with the limited number of music tracks on the three on the yeah i'm not even sure if this could have been done on the super nes I doubt I it. it. I don't think it could. There's there's way too much going on. We call yeah, it, you know, retro, but you know, in the one of the last stages you're in a castle that it's like storming in the background and the colors are changing a lot. There's rain going, there's like propellers in the back. There's a lot more visuals going on than the retro. The color palette is there and it's definitely pixely, but it's way more complex. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a much deeper.
that is what I love about retro games, and what makes a really good retro game is that it kind of takes a look back at the style of an older game, and it gives you that with all the benefits of the new technology, and that is something that you really don't see. You, you would expect when you go from something like, I guess, SNES to, I don't know, GameCube, or SNES to N64, I should say. So when you go, when you take a step up in technology like that, I, have, I always sort of expected, oh, well, you know, that'll mean more beautiful games of the kind that I already have. But really, uh, the games industry is obsessed with using the new technology to its fullest. So you don't get uh, on Nintendo 64 the prettiest version of 2D Mario that you could have ever imagined. You get the, you know, the 3D Mario, you know? And so this game is almost as if, you know, those amazing third-party developers that made these games we're talking about, like Mega Man and Castlevania, or was Castlevania a third-party? Yeah, yeah, it was. Capcom. Uh, okay, sorry, thank you. Um, oh no, Konami. Wait, sh Who made Cap- Oh no. I'll fix <laughs> oh, this in yeah. editing. I'm not sure. I think it was Konami. You just oh, no. lost us our iTunes um, uh, G rating. But, but you, you get kind of to imagine an alternate reality where uh, those developers just kept getting better and better hardware without changing their development style or trying to react to new trends. Mm -hmm. And also, they get to incorporate those trends in modern games that do make sense in that older style. Uh, what I really think is fantastic about this game is that it draws everything that it possibly can that is awesome about an 8-bit game, but then it gets rid of some of the things that weren't awesome about an 8-bit game and does new things that are smarter. Um, and the biggest place that you really see that is in the way that the game handles player death. Mm, and save points and everything. Yeah, but it's it's a new way of handling things that I haven't seen in any other platform game like this. Um, in most games on the NES and in other games, you would have a limited stock of lives. If you run yeah. out of lives, you would have a game over. Uh, losing a life would set you back a little bit. Usually uh, having a game over would set you back a lot. And that was the way these games worked. And that makes some sense. It makes sense if you're coming out of the arcades where your lives was your stack of quarters. Exactly. And it doesn't make sense really when you think about it looking back from today. So I did think that this was a really good mechanic for this. Mm -hmm. It also makes sense if you're a developer on the NES and you're wanting to make a game that justifies a $60 cost that has 12 levels. And, you know, th those games had an incentive to be harder than games do today or less player friendly. Um, so in contrast, the way that Shovel Knight does things is that in every level that you start, there's a number of checkpoints as you go. Each screen in Shovel Knight is really dangerous. So getting through a whole screen is an accomplishment in and of itself. And every few screens, uh, let's say every uh, probably somewhere around maybe 15, 5 to 15 minutes of gameplay, you pass by a checkpoint. And if you walk past that checkpoint then and then die immediately afterwards, you go back to that point. But there's not a set number of lives. 
as you go through the game, you're collecting treasure. And if you die, you drop about 10% of, or maybe 15? It's, it's, a, it's a quarter. It's, oh, is it's it? 20, yeah, it's 25% of okay. your treasure. You drop a pretty significant amount of treasure on the spot where you died. But the really great thing is that if it's in an, a reasonably accessible place, then when you go back to the checkpoint and start making your progress again, if you can get back to that spot and not die then you get that stuff back. You can recollect the treasure that you dropped unless you yeah. die somewhere else. It comes into the form of floating bags, which is really great if you died by falling into a pit, which is probably <laughs> what, I'm not exaggerating, 95%. I very rarely died by combat. I died by falling, which is a pretty basic platformer mechanic. And if you'd fall down the pit, you die immediately, and you're... The, your bags of gold or treasure would fly up and be somewhat reachable or at least re reachable by the fishing pole, which is another silly aspect of the game. Um, it did remind me, it was like Sonic kind of mm -hmm. had that, you know, oh. when you got hit. You, oh, you could pick up the the, you, the, the, the rings you got. Yeah, because yeah. Sonic, you were invincible as long as you could get a coin back. You just had to get that one coin. But obviously with this, you just die and you get your gold back. Uh, you die a lot in this game. Mm -hmm. At least I died a lot in this game. It's not VVVVVV, but yeah, you die a lot in this game. But yeah, it's it's a hard game. Reagan, you got the wrong number of Vs. No, it's six Vs. <laughs> no, dude, you said five Vs. I said, I know my stuff, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Just messing with you. Just messing with you. It's a great uh, it's a great mechanic because it's fair without. Uh, it never makes you feel like you're being abused by the game. Uh, it makes you feel like you're always making oh, progress. I disagree. I felt very abused by the game. Aw. This game really beat me up, guys. I, 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 I pride myself on, on being at least decent at platformers, but I found this game to be extremely difficult. Huh. And yeah. maybe I didn't put enough time into it, but I, I, I had a, I've had a... I've had time constraints on me that meant I had uh, only time for short play sessions lately. Mm. Yeah, you do kind of have to commit to it. You know, but I did commit. I would commit an hour. Uh, I, my last two play sessions on this game before we recorded uh, were each at least an hour long. And in neither of those did I beat any levels. Hmm. And really? at that point, I felt really frustrated. Well, I'm, honestly, I'm going to go back to the game because it is such a fun game, but... If you get stuck in this game, despite the very forgiving mechanics that they have for death, that one of, one of my criticisms for it is that there is no way to kind of go back and adjust your difficulty. I can't, um, if I'm having trouble getting past something, I can go and try a different level, usually. There's usually two or three different levels accessible to you, it seems, but... I can't find any way, I didn't at least personally find any way to go back and, you know, uh, beef up or, uh, you know, get any, you know, extra lives like I might in a more traditional platformer. Well, I kind of understand, but I actually kind of disagree as well. I, first off, I don't think I ran into quite the difficulty that you did. I did certainly reach some pretty frustrating stages, but in almost every case... The, the solution was to try a different relic. The game allows you to collect different relics as you go, and each relic gives you a new power. So there's, for example, a 
propeller dagger that lets you fly forward with a little propeller for a short distance, uh, allowing you to kind of leap over obstacles that would be, you know, impossible to, to jump across normally. Or there's a, uh, a fireball wand that you can shoot little fireballs with. And there's quite a few of these that you pick up as you go through the game. The most powerful of which is the phase locket that lets you essentially become untouchable and invincible for a few seconds while you dash past something. And in every case where I got stuck, what eventually got me unstuck was realizing that I could use one of the, um, well, first off was taking my time and moving slower. This is a game where sometimes you need to just take your time and evaluate the level and, you know, figure out the timing of the, of the bad guys, but also finding a new way to use a relic, you know, finding a way to use a relic to get around, uh, or just sort of cheap out of a very difficult situation or fly over it or, you know, one of the other ways that the relics let you uh, let you get out of stuff. On the other side, you can also adjust the difficulty to be more difficult. Um, it does that in a really interesting little organic way. If you are a hardcore NES platform guy and you don't want to have these checkpoints helping you out at each turn, or maybe you just blew past a section of the level and you'd rather have a, a little bit of extra gold than have that checkpoint to fall back to, uh, you can just destroy the checkpoints with your shovel and they turn into a nice little wad of gold that later on you can spend on new equipment for your shovel knight or if you're me uh abandoned in a floating bag somewhere in a spot that you died that's not able to get back hmm. a tip that i ran into was that if you are consistently dying a whole lot on a level but you think you've actually kind of got it now uh if you feel like taking the time to start the level completely over then you can you can exit a level at any point and when you exit the level back to the map screen you get back any gold that you lost you only truly lose that gold if you play through all the way to the end of the level and don't want to start yeah. over. I don't think I ever did. I did that one time, and it was during one of the treasure maps, if you will. There's there's kind of bonus maps where you kind of it takes one of the mechanics from the relic you just acquired, and that's pretty much all you use, and you collect a bunch of treasure. I died more in this stupid treasure map than I died on any other level, I think. And so I ended up restarting it and doing the whole thing again. Um, but for the most part, I would normally once I would, if I would die a lot, it'd be no, more towards the back half of the castle. And I did not want to abandon my work right. of the first half just to get back a couple thousand treasure. And I, I feel like my I've collected money, you know, organically. There's definitely some of the armor stuff that I would like to have bought but have run out of you know money already the biggest thing that set me up to where I I actually beat the last three castles with not very much dying at all I beat all three bosses without dying now wow. I died 
Uh, I died kind of a pretty fair amount on my way to the bosses, but I defeated all three bosses without dying once. And the biggest thing that set it apart for me was the Trowpel chalices. Yes. Uh, I should have been making better use of the Trowpel chalices. So there's a... A half trout, half apple king. That, the trouple king. <laughs> yeah, the trouple king that has a lot of worshippers throughout the I'm game. I'm super confused by that. It must be a developer in joke, but I love it anyway. I, the whole thing is a developer in jokes. There, the whole game is so weird. The sense of humor is so silly. Uh, but basically, you go by two of these chalices from one of the trouple kings, like worshippers, and you're able to take them to where the Trouple King lives to his pond and summon him and he'll fill him with one of three kind of power-ups. One of them is it makes he, uh, treasure. He, he spits in your cups. Yeah. <laughs> it, one of them, it makes treasure uh, attract to you for 60 seconds. Um, there's another one that's slipping my mind right now because the only one I ever used is the one that refills your health and your magic. And so I just would go into every castle with two of those. That's huge. It's like an extra life. Yeah. And I know I said I died a lot by falling, and that's true. That's how I died 90% of the time. But during the bosses, there's only one, maybe two bosses where falling is actually a way of dying. Most of the time, they just beat the crap out of you. And so essentially having two extra lives while fighting the bosses, I, I, oh, yeah. didn't, die, I didn't die at all. You just have to save them until the final boss. Uh Unfortunately, the first time you get the trial pull chalice, he does a little dance for you, and it's like 45 seconds long, and it's really strange. <laughs> I a tell couple, you, there's a couple I, I of these loved, dances. I enjoyed that dance uh, for about the first half of it, and then I was like, what is going it on here? It just keeps going. And, and there's of course, a, the, the, the immediate thing I did right after it happened was it brought up his little menu... And I accidentally asked him to do the dance again. <laughs> See, it's funny you say that because I uh, there's another dance in this game uh, down in the basement of one of the towns. There's a bunch of different merchants and, and whatnot and people who need saving. And after you defeat a certain knight that was tormenting one of the people in this basement, they dance for you. And it's another really long dance. <laughs> and... It, I would, you know, that they did that the, immediately. You talk to them and they start dancing after you beat them. And so I was like, oh, that was cool. Now I wonder if I talk to them again, if they'll like give me a reward for having b beat the knight. Nope, triggered the dance entirely <laughs> from the start. And you know what? That reminds me of, uh, again, of kind of these classic games where sometimes your reward is just a little piece of weird animation or content that you wouldn't have gotten to see otherwise. Hey, some yeah. developer took two weeks creating those little animations on that 8-bit system, you know? They yeah. really wanted that to be a fancy reward for you. They just wanted to do something nice for you, Shane. Those, the Trouple King, I mean, he he fires off, like, he fires off quite a dance. It's like it's like the, the fountain at the Bellagio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and one thing I wanted to uh, say, too, and we'd kind of hit on this a moment ago about, you know, a, a game... A, a retro style game using modern mechanics. They did a lot of uh, really smart things with this too. First of all, there was almost always a checkpoint right before the boss. Oh, thank God. Old games never did that. They would always put a checkpoint. There'd be a long se sequence of 
really difficult platforming and then the boss so that you would yeah. always be almost out of life and resources by the time you got to the boss. Ugh. And then also, so like most games, you know, the first time you fight the boss, there's a sequence of dialogue. And the dialogue was always really funny. Um, what they did with this is after the first time, the dialogue doesn't happen anymore. You walk into the room and the boss fight's ready to go. So you can like rapid fire make your attempts at the boss. And I even think we say retro. We had one of our biggest complaints for cave story. Remember that we talked about, they had this exact same problem. Yeah. And that game came out in like 2002 or something. Yeah. Yeah. You would die a ton in cave story and then go to the boss and have to listen to sometimes a very long series of dialogue. And so they cut all that out. It's not even a retro styled game problem. It's something you'll crop up in modern games every year. I would say every third game has that problem. Yeah, much like uh, Towerfall, we talked about a game that really obviously thought about every single decision. You definitely can tell it in this game. They they thought about everything. And speaking of the dialogue, I think that's something else that's really worth talking about with this game. It doesn't overwhelm you with a lot of dialogue. It's very straightforward, simple, and to the point. But it also does a really great job with very simple 8-bit storytelling. And we can save some of this discussion for after the spoiler break, which I do want to have. But every game essentially has a central thing of the protagonist is trying to get through these levels in order to do blank. And usually it's save someone, take revenge on something. And there's no no difference here. Uh, Shovel Knight had his partner in shoveling who is called shield knight um it's also kind of implied that uh that was his girlfriend or love interest and so his he's lost his love shield knight to the evil enchantress and it's not quite explained exactly why they were exploring a dark and mysterious tower and they came upon an evil amulet and awakened the Enchantress. And now she and her Order of No Quarter, the evil knights, all of which have great themes and we'll probably discuss a little bit, are uh, threatening all of the land. And Shovel Knight wants to go and defeat the Enchantress to free the land and also to free his love, Shield Knight. The dream sequences were what really made that work for me. Because every time you beat a level, you get those dreams. Well, not every time. There's not always a dream sequence. You always get the little rest break that Nate mentioned. But sometimes you get a dream sequence in which you see Shovel Knight dream of his lost love, Shield Knight. And then she begins to fall from the sky. And the game gives you a command of, catch her and you have to try to go and catch her and save her before she hits the ground and then if you touch her you instantly wake up and dream is gone and something about that very simple evocative little piece of 8-bit storytelling really made it work for me like i didn't expect it i didn't expect to ha- to find any heart in an 8-bit game about a knight with a shovel but it has real heart i don't know if i'm crazy did you guys feel the same way about that no, definitely. I mean, it's just that nice little touch to add a little bit more feeling as to why you're, you know, really battling for Shield Knight. You're fighting to save the world, of course, but you're fighting to save, uh, you know, your love. <laughs> 
And it's just enough. It's just yeah. enough that it's not a whole lot of unnecessary crufty dialogue. It's just a little touch of story that gives you a reason to, to shovel. It's, I thought it was perfect. You'd kind of mentioned the different themes. I thought that was a really successful part of the game, too. Each, each night, each castle you go through being a very, very specific oh my type God. of bad guy and type of art and, you know, the propeller knight. That's something we don't see anymore. We don't get those themed bad guys like you would have in the Mega Man games and things like that. No, you have to have a more cohesive world building thing going on in a modern game. And and this game really felt free to kind of play with the idea of like, what is a knight? The first the first knight you fight is King Knight. No, he's not a king. He's a king themed knight. <laughs> yeah. And there's like there would be little random encounters where kind of like uh, this reminded me of Mario. You know, like Mario Three has yes, the same kind of top down view of the map and the and the map bad guys. Yeah, they would just appear like, like the, the Hammer uh, Brothers. Exactly. Yeah. There were wandering encounters that you would come across and each one of those was great those were so great because each one was a little one-on-one duel they weren't quite on the level of a boss fight but they were all a really interesting twist on the game because they were each one was using a different tactic that you saw nowhere else in the game they all had their own little unique battle style and yeah and they had little fun stories too and it really kind of called into question what is a knight too for sure there was that one knight who thought you became a knight by killing another knight you know <laughs> and he was going to kill shovel knight so he'd become a knight well my favorite was probably king knight who's just hysterical but mm-hmm. um i think my hardest boss and therefore the one that i actually kind of enjoyed the most was tinker knight tinker knight is a tiny little man with a welding face mask on who then jumps into a giant knight shaped robot with a drill arm um and i must have played that boss a hundred times it was very very difficult for me to beat and it was particularly hard because if you're on the 3ds there's a bug in that version of the game that i will warn you about now if you're planning on playing the game on the 3ds because it just drove me bananas um if you kill tinker knight So Tinker Knight comes in two stages. There's an initial stage where Tinker Knight comes out, you know, just as a tiny little man in a welding mask, and you have to beat him up. And it's extremely easy. He has only very, very tiny little puny attacks. Um, But you've got to defeat him. And then you defeat him, and you see the traditional Shovel Knight animation that he does at the end of a boss fight. But then the floor collapses, and out comes the giant Tinker Knight robot, and you have to fight that. So it's a two-stage boss. At the end of the first stage... I several times, I'm talking about at least three times, I think, ran into a bug where I would kill Tinker Knight's first stage. I would begin doing the shield, the, the, the end of the battle animation, waving my shovel in the air, and, uh, and Shovel Knight would become invulnerable and uncontrollable. He would just continue doing that little shovel animation as the giant robot would roll over him and roll back and roll over him and roll back and never kill him. But I also couldn't complete. So the only option was to restart. And I couldn't restart from the checkpoint. I could only restart the entire Tinker Knight stage and play the entire Tinker Knight stage and all of its levels again from the beginning, which I had to do three times at least. Um, And it turned out I did some Googling after a little while. Um, it turned out that this was because there's a bug in the 3DS version of the game that it will always do that 
if you kill Tinker Knight and land on the ground as at the same time as him, which is essentially Weird. what will happen 100% of the time if you kill him with the final blow being a shovel uh, stab. You have to kill him while standing on the ground so that he hits the ground after you do. Does that make sense? Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And it's a pretty big bug. It's it's they already have a patch that's working its way through the Nintendo approval process. But that's one of those things that takes a long time. It may not be out by the time you're playing this game. So if you're fighting Tinker Knight, be careful. Try to kill his first tiny puny stage while standing on the ground and not while pogoing on his head or you'll be very sad. Man, so I was fortunate to not experience that. Also, partly because, to be honest, Reagan, I thought he was the easiest boss of the whole thing. I beat him. I beat both stages of the Tinker Knight without lo- losing maybe even half my health. Well, my um, my excuse is that I hadn't realized that there was a health Ikor yet i had only seen the one for gold and so i didn't know that there i didn't know that that was something that i should be doing and i'm gonna continue to make sure i'm rubbing this in i didn't use one i thought he was an incredible (laughs) i thought he was an incredibly easy boss but you know jackass i've beat the game okay (laughs) i i just want to make sure and i've already taunted you guys multiple times for this i was the only one who beat vvv vvv and I want to make sure you remember that. So die. We're not worthy. <laughs> what was your favorite uh, favorite night? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I really enjoyed the Propeller Knights castle. Oh yeah. I thought there was some there were some really interesting things they did there. Reminded me a little bit of VVV because the way the wind blows and you kind of grab you kind of it moves up and down and you're controlling your character by the at the whim of the wind mm. rather than kind of just running and jumping. I thought that was a really fun castle. Um, I, I also thought King Knight was really funny. At that point, <laughs> I was still just trying to get my bearings for the game. It was just such a strange game. The dialogue is so strange, and Shovel Knight is like the most chivalrous, you know, knight of the land. Chivalrous, of course, uh, in the land, and everybody's just out to to do evil. And, and a lot of these knights used to be Shovel Knight's friends. And he's trying to turn them like, we, brother, we mustn't fight. We can work together. And they're like, Shovel Knight, things have changed. And it's, <laughs> it's always kind of a, a over dramatic, uh, really. Mole funny. Knight, these caverns belong to the ages. They're mine now, Shovel Knight, my empire. And he makes exactly. and, and Mole Knight makes fun of uh, of Shovel Knight's puny digging implement. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so great. I loved Mole Knight as well. Great boss. The bosses are so much fun. The art is just fantastic. That's wonderful. The controls feel super, super tight. Yeah, well, a little side note there. Did you guys um, change the controls at all? Because this allows you to do some light remapping on the controls. No, I, I didn't. I saw that, but I decided not to. I, uh, I, I I saw that you could kind of re- remap the, uh, the magic, the relics, to a separate button. But I actually thought it worked very well to have it be the up and attack uh, like it was on there. It, it you could play this game. You could have played this game completely with an original NES controller with just two buttons. Yeah, I think that and was their intent. It really just uses the D-pad and two buttons. Although I actually did remap the relics to a, a right trigger 
And I found that that really helped me sort of get through it. And I also reversed. I don't know why this really didn't work for me, but something about the controls just felt funny. So I was really pleased that they gave you the opportunity to remap them. And I remapped the um, A to B, B to A. I just switched those and also remapped the relics to a right trigger. And it made the game a lot easier for me. I'm not sure why. It just really did. I feel like I probably should have done that because I, I didn't realize you could or I didn't even really bother to look. Um, and I felt like right trigger was underutilized in the fact that it wasn't utilized at all. But I've gotten to the point, you know, having almost beat, beaten the game now, uh, I, I kind of like the up attack as your magic too because it does allow for some real quick combos. little things to talk about about the game there's a, a lot of a lot of playful fun stuff in this game um, obviously it has this great fun playful dialogue but you can really tell that the developers were just having a blast with it and a few little things that kind of highlighted that to me have you guys heard about the game's butt mode what mode you say <laughs> The game has a butt mode. Uh, when you um, <laughs> when you're setting when you're beginning the game, <laughs> you can uh, you can input your name at the the, the like uh, place where you name your save file. You can name your save file as WSWWAEAW uh, or oh man, how did I not guess oh, that? I one? know, right? Um, or as X uh, and sign ampersand butt. Um, either one of those. And if you name your uh, your game thus, then uh, the game will replace many, many of the nouns in the game with the word but. So um, knight becomes but, sh- uh, shovel becomes but, um, and many others, uh, the word fate becomes but. And so, for example, uh, sh- shovel knight becomes but, but, uh, shield knight is shield but, uh, king knight is king but, and so on. Um, I, this is fantastic. You get to go to the Tower of Butt to defeat uh, the, uh, the Enchantress. Um, I've never been more impressed by a developer. I than I, have. <laughs> I was I was very thrilled with uh, finding that out. A, a warning to the wise: if you play in that mode, achievements are not available. Um, oh no! I'm not sure why that is, but I feel uh, like that's an achievement of its own. Is playing the entire game through with the butt mode on. See, I'm never gonna figure out these things, you know, the butt modes of the world because I just name every single one of my characters Romango, <laughs> and uh, I feel like that's okay. I think that's probably the way to go. Um, a couple other little things about the game that I wanted to mention. Um, it has some modes that have been promised as a part of the Kickstarter that haven't yet been developed, but they say are still incoming. And the one that I think I'm most excited about is that they intend on offering a gender swap mode where Shovel Knight will be female and Shield Knight will be male. And you can rescue your lost love, the male Shield Knight. And I thought that sounded like a nice option to offer. I'm looking forward to seeing what the pixel art looks like given that reversal. And one last thing, we haven't talked about the music. 
the music was my favorite aspect of the game. I I gotta say, this this has some kick-ass tunes. It is fantastic. They got, I, I'm not gonna even try to pronounce his name, and I don't see if I have it in my notes right now, but they got one of the guys who worked on uh, music for Mega Man, and also an American um, chiptune musician, I'm, I'll try to put some links in the show notes, um, that worked together on the tracks for the game, and it sounds awesome. I'll obviously be editing some of that into this episode, so you'll, be, you'll have probably been hearing some of that already, uh, but the 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 soundtrack for the game is actually available on two different discs. There's a disc of uh, the music of the game and another album that was released uh, that's, I think, like remixes and reinterpretations and alternate versions. So it's a game that just produced an amazing amount of absolutely top, top-notch, really great chiptune music. Does the soundtrack have a butt mode <laughs> where all the chiptunes are replaced with farts? <laughs> Oh my god, if anybody listens to this show and actually cares about it, you should make a remix of those two things together. It'd be fantastic. It's my new ringtone. I just loved this game, and it really has got me excited about retro-style platformers again. Oh. After Reagan, I just have to ask you, if if we can, if, if you're ready, uh, can we hit that spoiler break? Because I want to know what happens at the end of this game. Yes, okay, this is your spoiler break. All right, cool. Yeah, that was your spoiler break. So yeah, it's um it's just a, a simple but effective conclusion, and it tore my heart out. Um so what happens towards the end of the game, you know, you're working your way past all of the evil knights, uh, the Order of No Quarter, towards the Tower of Fate, where waits the Enchantress, the evil person that has stolen away your love. And um, when you reach the Tower of Fate, you have to fight your way through a really, really difficult boss battle. Um, there's a, uh, a battle in which you have to defeat, once again, the entire Order of No Quarter, it's sort of a reprise of all of the boss battles that you fought through the entire game um, in more or less random order. So uh, you just have to fight through them one at a time. Uh, fortunately, it does give you uh, little bits of food in between each bot battle. So uh, you get a little bit of health back uh, in between each battle with the... Um, uh, with the knights, but you don't get much back in the way of magic. So you really have to carefully ma manage your magic resources so that you don't get your ass handed to you. Um, once you beat that, then you proceed to the top of the Tower of Fate and uh, you come face to face with the Enchantress, who by that point it's been hinted at quite a bit, but it becomes extremely obvious that the Enchantress actually is Shield Knight. Um, so <gasps> yeah, Shield Knight uh, had picked up the locket or the um, the evil amulet or whatever it was called, and and it took over her body. And the Enchantress is actually Shield Knight possessed by evil, and so you have to defeat her. And then when you do, you have a sort of moment of reunion where they talk to each other a little bit and she says i can't believe you rescued me um and she uses her shield but then the evil has come out and becomes this flying ghost thing and you have to defeat that tip by the way if you get to that stage and you can't beat it for ages um i played that battle probably 30 times 
and I was just not making it because the the trick is that um, you know Shield Knight will hold up her shield. You have to bounce on the shield a couple of times to get a little bit of height, get above the creature, and bounce down on its head. But then it will immediately sidestep really quickly, and you fall back down, and you have to jump back up again, and it puts you in harm's way for kind of a long time. And it's a really really difficult battle. Well, in another case where you uh, you can use the relics in a creative way and uh, and do things your own way and maybe make things a lot easier on yourself. Um, I realized that once you're up there, uh, when that evil creature that you're bouncing on its head does the sidestep move, if you follow that up with a propeller move, you can stay on top of it the entire time. So it turned the battle that was just kicking my ass utterly into essentially a bounce-a-thon not a one hit kill, but pretty close made the ba- battle enormously easier because that way you just never have to come down from on top of its head. You're never in harm's way. That's what I felt about with the Tinker Knight is you get up on his little horn or his little drill, you do a downward spike. And if you aimed left, you'd land right back on top of his little drill and you could just stay up there and, and never fall off and kill him. conclusion is that shield knight defends shovel knight's knocked unconscious shield knight defends him with her shield uh from the evil creature while the black knight jumps in and uh helps get shovel knight out of the collapsing tower and shield knight seemingly dies at the end um while defending her love and then the credits roll and then at the end of the credits you see shield shovel knight sitting at his fire clearly you know passed out from exhaustion and and you know and injuries and then up limps a wounded shield knight who has seemed to have magically escaped the uh the collapsing tower and sits down next to him and i will tell you what that i i was so relieved it's so strange to say but something about the simple 8-bit storytelling of this game made me just mourn when Shield Knight was dead and just be enormously relieved when I found out she was alive. It's kind of weird to say, but I really, really want to see a Shield Knight and Shovel Knight game where you can, you know, control both characters or something. I want Shovel Knight 2 to be a Sonic and Tails kind of experience where you can, you know, have an adventure with both of them because I thought they were both so charming. You know, with, like, modern games, it's so actually normal for the the love interest or, or even just modern storytelling the, the love interest to actually die and that's just it and it's just sad you know or it's maybe a little I don't know if cathartic is the right word but you know it's the, the proper arc is for the character to actually die and you're you know and then to go that way so for her to actually come back and be alive that even too is a little throwback to a degree mm-hmm. honestly I I I have mixed feelings about the plot because I know that it worked for me, but I also think, in a sense, it's really clearly a a great example of the sort of damsel in distress trope that I think we're kind of over in video games. Like, I'm tired of games where they have a, a woman who is the who's only in the game to provide an impetus for the man to do stuff. Yeah, Princess Peach. Come on. Yeah. You know, 
you know, I'm right there with you, um, but I think one of the things that does kind of um, make that, although this is a kind of a, a save a damsel in distress uh, storyline, what does make it a little bit uh, more palatable, uh, because I, I think you're right, I'm a little bit over that kind of a storyline, um, is the fact that you see the two of them fighting side by side at the beginning of the game. And it's not about him rescuing some helpless damsel in distress. It's a story about someone rescuing, um, you know, a their equal, you know, their a sister partner. in arms. Yeah. yeah. And that was why I loved that final battle so much, because she uses her shield to help you attack the evil thing, and you're working together, and you get this sense of this is how it was meant to be, Shovel Knight and Shield Knight. Uh, I really want the Sonic and Knuckles of this game. I want I want a 16-bit Shovel Knight that gives us both characters and where we can control them both or play two-player. I, I think that would be the natural evolution of this game. Well, just, just lock on your cartridge. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you guys see that? Uh, did you see that thing going around? I, I forget. I think it was on like Gizmodo. Someone put 13 Sonic and Knuckles cartridges together. <laughs> no, no, Jesus. It's it's pretty funny. And they did stack it burst it into flames. <laughs> well, they stack them like this is what one on top of one looks like. This is what two, you know, three looks like. This is what four looks like. And it goes all the way to the top where each one having more just like weird effect. You could still play it actually, mm -hmm. but. Now Not, here's the question: Did they put that into a 32x in top on the top of a uh, a Sega Genesis with the CD attachment, so that you get the real tower of power? I don't think they things that they did. What they should have done is had a game genie at the bottom yes. of it too. <laughs> I think oh I've seen gosh. a photo of that somewhere on the internet where they have the the complete stack. You've got the Sega Genesis. Below that, you've got the CD attachment that sat underneath it. On top, you get the Game Genie. On top of that, you've got Sonic and Knuckles. And on top of that, you got Sonic 3. And uh, it's funny. about three feet high. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Nate, yeah, I don't know if you ever got a, a chance to watch that video. We were we, we guest hosted on, on uh, I'm sorry, what was the name of that channel, YouTube channel? Casual shenanigans or something like Casual that. Casual shenanigans. Thank I you. wasn't even on it, and I know the yeah, name of it. Thank you. Casual thank shenanigans you. was great. They were really uh, gracious hosts, and we had a lot of fun. And uh, we really got to talking about our Genesis roots on that one. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed it. Reagan and I have been uh, have been reminiscing through the uh, through the book about the history of the Genesis. Mm -hmm. And speaking of which, the game that I'm just finishing now, um, Freedom Planet is a clear throwback to the Sega Genesis. And so, Shane, what I'd really like us to do, if you get a chance to play it a little bit, would be to have an episode where we talk about our Sega Genesis history and then talk specifically about Freedom Planet. Oh, yeah, that'd be excellent. Yeah, I was a Sega Genesis uh, kid as well. Awesome. So. Then we'll have something to chat about. I miss my Sega Genesis, and I've been thinking about picking another one up just to, uh, to relive the glory days. Well, I have all the games. Oh man, so jealous. In my drawer. Oh, nice. I'll just cut them in half. You guys are twins. That's how it works. Hmm. All right. I don't know how twins work. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on this fantastic episode of The Short Game. I've really enjoyed talking about Shovel Knight and... 
I really, really enjoyed playing Shovel Knight. Uh, people can get this game on the 3DS. It is $15 on the 3DS eShop as a downloadable title only, not available on a cartridge. So go and download it on your 3DS right away. $15 is a steal for this game. If you happen to be one of the 16 people in the country that own a Wii U, you can download it on that too and get it in nice, glorious HD. Uh, it's also 15 bucks, and uh, it has play on the gamepad if you want to take it into the bathroom with you and play uh, Shovel Knight while you're pooping. Um, poop night. Poop night. But, but put night. it in butt mode first. Yeah, put it in butt, no butt mode, play it on the toilet. Uh, or finally, of course, you can play this on your Windows PC and coming soon to Linux and Mac. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to that a little bit because it means I'll be able to play it on my laptop a little more easily. And uh, it'll give me an option to check this game out on a larger screen. The 3DS looks gorgeous with this game. And actually something we didn't talk about, and I just want to shove in just here at the end. Nate, did you play this with the 3D on? Uh, sorry, I'm playing it currently. Um, no, but I just... I just don't like how 3D looks on any of the games. And I and you told me that this game is better than any game you've ever had with 3D. And I agree with you. I turned it on and I was like, yeah, this looks better. I still don't like mm -hmm. it. And I think that's just me. I It, it screws with my depth perception. I, I already have kind of bad depth perception. So I think it's like just me specifically. Yeah. I just have a hard time with it. So Yeah, not everybody's going to love it in 3D. But I will say this for it, um, you know, like Nate said, I think that this is the perfect use of 3D on the 3DS. The 3DS's 3D is is not good, and that's because it it uses a technology where things never actually extend out towards you from the, the screen. Things regress into the screen. And because of the way the technology works, unless you're holding it in exactly the perfect configuration, only things on the front plane, meaning only the very front layer of pixels, are going to look perfectly sharp all the time. Um, but this game, being a two-dimensional game with three-dimensional backgrounds, that works perfectly because all that really matters, all that's important to have in pixel-perfect sharpness is that foreground layer, and it's always pretty darn sharp. The backgrounds to give you this beautiful parallax scrolling and kind of interesting 3D effects of, of depth, that, if it goes slightly off, it doesn't bother me much because it's only part of the background. Everything that's in the foreground is the stuff that you're actually interacting with. So I thought that this is one game that even if you always play your 3DS with the 3D mode off, give it a try on this. I was really impressed. I thought it looked really cool. Yeah, I agree. I can tell that it's better. I just, it's just that ain't me. Sorry. <laughs> that's cool. It's a great 2D game. It looks great in 2D on my computer. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining me, and uh, I'll play a little music here to play you off. This has been another great episode of The Short Game. Join us next week.